Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 43 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we are doing a little special thing. We're doing a little transition film between one franchise to the other. We just finished Park Chan-wook's Vengeance trilogy. We went through Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and Lady Vengeance, and we bounced around with some other revenge-themed movies. And this is Daniel's choice this week with the film Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. And so this is going to be a film that helps us go into our next franchise, and should I let them know what that's going to be? Yeah, let's fucking announce it. Why not? Yeah, the next franchise is going to be the Ip Man franchise, which is suggested to us by our friend and frequent listener, Max. So thank you, Max, for suggesting that. So yeah, we're going to be doing some more martial arts films, films which I'm really excited about. Yeah, it'll be good. It's uh, So this one, it's a martial arts movie, and it is a revenge movie. Yeah. Um, Thomas, do you want to read for us the synopsis before we get into it? Sure. Okay, so Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, 1984. Mongols, with the help of an insider, ambush the influential Yang family, defenders of the dynasty. The Mongols must hunt down all Yang survivors so their insidious plot to overthrow the dynasty will not be uncovered. Uh, so it's a little diff. It's a, yeah, I feel like that doesn't quite touch on the revenge stuff, but yeah, um, yeah. That, that is a, a general synopsis of the plot. And you've seen this before, Daniel. What did you think about this? Um, so yeah, I, I have said that I think this is my favorite martial arts movie, uh, rewatching it for the show and being more critical. I definitely, some, some faults came to the surface. Um, I have some criticisms, but, um, I actually finished watching it today and it kind of, I think the ending of this movie really solidifies why this is my favorite martial arts movie because the ending is kind of batshit crazy. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I I watched this a few years ago with my parents. Uh, it was a rewatch for me. Um, every holiday season, we get together and we end up watching a lot of martial arts movies. And Sweet. I realized, I think one of the reasons that this really works for me is because it's basically, it's the hero's journey. It's, it's Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I can get more into that. But um, yeah, it, I think the g- just general structure of it really works for me. And I don't know, man. It's got that great martial arts action. I love seeing Gordon Liu in a Shaw Brothers movie with this. Yeah, Gordon uh, Liu is always fucking great. Yeah, very colorful production. A lot of interesting warped wide-angle lenses. Um, you know, this painted also, backgrounds and stuff. This is also historical, so you could say this is an educational film as well. Uh, it's kind of a <laughs> twist on a historical um, tale, a legend. Yeah. But, yes, um, yeah. But yeah, I'm very fond of this movie. Um, what do you think? Uh, I really loved it. Yeah, I, I remember I saw 36 Chambers for the first time in college and dug it. And then, yeah, just recently discovered Fury and Shaolin Temple, which is, I feel like, uh, a more in the bucket hidden one, which I had never really heard about before. But yeah, I've re- I've heard this name. I've heard this movie, this title before a lot. And yeah, you've mentioned it on the show, and I was really excited to watch this film. And yeah, it's fucking awesome. And yeah, there's just so many great things to love about it. it uh, yeah, watching it the first time, I was just sort of thrown, uh, taken aback by just, yeah, the wide angles. There's always like a lot of action happening on screen. There's a lot of extras, a lot of really great costumes. Uh, yeah, it's just like this this whole plot with like these families sort of dealing with this traitor thing and like, be, like this betrayal that takes place. And yeah, I love the weapons in this movie. Usually, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, like 
yeah, all the weapons, like, yeah, just, like, staffs and just, like, all of that stuff is a lot of fun. Usually I've been kind of a stickler on trying to watch these films in their native language, but I think that this is one of those dubs that is, is a lot of fun and is a pretty solid dub and has a lot of really great one-liners that are just, the line readings are sometimes are a little comical, but it, it, I, don't know, I think it works together. It's not it's too cheesy. And, yeah, I think it's a nice, like, later Shaw Brothers film, too, because I feel like, yeah, they're pulling out some some violence and they're pulling out some, they're trying to up the ante a little bit. Cause yeah, this is like 30 years into Shaw brothers being a thing. So obviously they have to do something new. And I think this is also at the point where uh golden harvest had shown up. So they, you know, it's a little bit more mm. competitive in the martial arts film market in China as well. So yeah, I think in this movie, we just like, it, it starts off pretty innocuous and it, yeah, it has like some pretty like, t- I don't want to say like typical fights, but fights where I'm like, okay, this is like, pretty run-of-the-mill but then like you said the the finale of it is just yeah, fucking it is so wild. great yeah it, and like yeah it has probably it, there's a scene in this which stole my heart which is like probably my new favorite fight scene okay. in the movie so yeah let's should get I'm into curious it. to know which one that is but but yeah, yeah speaking of the beginning this movie starts with a fucking bang and it's just the seven brothers and the father getting massacred basically yeah um yeah, what did you what did you think of this fight scene? Yeah, it's a really trippy set piece because it's prefaced with like a few scenes where it's like the matriarch is with her daughters and she has like this I love the matriarch. She has like this big like dragon staff of the like the Yang yeah, family. Scepter. Yeah, this big like yeah, dragon scepter with this piece of jade hanging off of it and then she like gets like this prediction and then news gets to this rivaling family about a betrayal and so they are like okay, our response to this is we're going to kill all of the Yang. All of the Yangs are going to get wiped out. And yeah, we see this betrayal and it's like big soundstage, a lot of extras. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, the seven brothers, they all have these staffs with these blades on the end of them. And yeah, the first time I watched it, I was sort of taken aback because there's a lot of text on screen and there's a lot yeah. of, uh, we're getting, I think that's our opening credits essentially. Or because at first I was like, are these our characters' names that we're getting? Because like, uh, I watched this on Amazon Prime, so there wasn't any. Yeah. Uh, subtitles for any of that so it's like I don't really know exactly what's happening as far as that but like uh, it, it became much more clear on the second watch through that yeah like this six brother like watches four of his brothers get killed in front of him and it's really brutal and yeah it's just really fast paced and then yeah when people start getting like kind of sliced and stuff and it's it gets pretty brutal pretty quickly and the death of the father is really weird because the the dad jumps on top of this giant like gravestone thing and yeah. smashes his head. That always struck me as kind of weird. Like I, I feel like he's doing um I don't want to die by my enemy's hand, so I will die by my own sort of thing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like multiple characters die standing up, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is <laughs> like so badass. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I did read as comical because the son like hops in front of him and takes all the arrows as yeah, like a the, suicide a thousand arrows. I think yeah. that's how they describe it. <laughs> and then he jumps on, he like does this really exaggerated jump to the top of that uh, tombstone or monument, whatever you want to call it. And then like yeah. hits his head on top of it. And then, yeah, it happens so quickly. I was like, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to be. Yeah. He's yeah. frozen against it. And yeah. And I think the bad guys just say, he's dead. We won. And then yeah. they run away. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they definitely win. Yeah, that, that fight is really chaotic when they uh, blow up the hut and then everyone's like, one guy's like blinded for a bit. And yeah, the six brothers sort of just like trying to put it together as he's in the process of going mad. And yeah, it's just, it's a really interesting sequence. 
So yes, Gordon Liu as the fifth brother, he escapes. Alexander Fu also survives um, as the yeah. sixth brother. The sixth brother returns home to his mother and his sisters, and he has lost his mind. While Gordon Liu as the fifth brother, uh, he disappears into the woods. So over the course, did, okay. So have you read about this movie, the production of this movie? Yeah, I did because I was I watched it twice, and then even though after the second time, I hadn't read the Wikipedia, and I was like, I okay, something cool. happens. I was like, I feel like something's going on where I I, I missed something with a major character. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we can get into that. I guess is that Alexander Fu, who plays the sixth brother, during the production of this movie, he died in a car accident. Yeah, it was and so. So his character, and he was like a huge star, I guess, in in Hong Kong cinema. And so his character kind of just disappears. And I didn't know that this is probably like the fourth or fifth time I've seen this movie. And I never knew that. I never bothered to like research the movie. I just liked it for what it was. And so I found it, I I, I always found it kind of odd that he kind of vanishes. But I think uh, the eighth daughter who kind of takes over his role yeah. I think it's pretty smooth transition. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it's also worth mentioning that, yeah, we're watching this movie right after, and May was Mental Health Awareness Month, and this is like a revenge film and a martial arts film where like the center of it deals with a character sort of having like a mental breaking moment, and like everyone else is sort of like, it. it's like trying to just like, yeah, decipher how exactly to handle him, and like, oh, just like, should we let him like, like let him like get his like get, the, get it out of his system type of thing like or so we just like sort of hide him in the back and yeah I, I love his blue outfit that he shows up with like midway through and yeah it, it is unfortunate he does he gets like cut out of the climax of the film yeah because his performance is really good and it like it, yeah he's super intense yeah it like it completely steals the show for the first like third of the movie yeah um so yeah Gordon Liu <laughs> I keep just referring to the actors the fifth yeah, brother. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, it kind of happens. <laughs> he disappears into the woods and he meets this hunter who saves his life. He conceals him while he's being tracked by uh, the Mongols. And um, I feel like this hunter is perhaps the most important character in the movie. That was the vibe I had when that, when I first okay. watched it. Because he, <laughs> he rescues the fifth brother. He like sacrifices his life to rescue the fifth brother. And he's sort of like knock some sense into the fifth brother of like you gotta like bide your time you gotta hide and like bide your time before you can get revenge um and it's because of his sacrifice so this kind of happens twice in the movie that someone sacrifices themselves for the fifth brother and that sacrifice like knocks some sense into the fifth brother Um, yeah yeah true very true and so what i found interesting because i this is the first time i've actually like done any research into this movie is that to this hunter who I thought of as like possibly the most important character in the movie is actually played by the director and <laughs> the stunt coordinator. Oh, sweet. Um, and he's one of the writers. So it's like he cast himself as like this pivotal character. Yeah. And I like that entire sequence because yeah, he shows up and like, yeah, they had this little like confrontation inside of his hut, but yeah, the way it's shot, it's like this hut is like a wooden hut and it's got like a lot of boards separated with like space. And so there's just like this smoky light coming through the back of mm-hmm. it. And I was like, yeah, it's like, this looks better than some movies that came out this year. Like how, like some of these like old films from like the seventies, like the use of practical effects just go much more, go a lot further in some of those little smaller moments. And yeah, there's some, and it, I think there's some nice shots where they do some nice camera tricks in this. 
And it's like, even when you can tell it's a soundstage, there's something really special about it. Like it yeah. feels like a theater production or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like shoves the the carcass on. He's like, I'm a hundred. Like I get like skin. Like the 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 skin is just like this horrible ball of like fur and thing. And I was like, I don't like. It looks like a really bad product you you have there. But yeah, and then the fight after is really cool. Like he like defends him and like fights off all the Mongols. Like knocks them all into the water and have like that cool slow motion shot of them all like going down. Yeah, and yeah. he collapses a cave on top of himself. To, like, yeah, yeah. Seal the pathway that the uh, yeah. fifth brother escapes through. It's pretty badass, yeah. Um, so yeah, then so so I find it really weird because the sixth brother was supposed to be the lead of this movie originally, and they were doing a bunch of rewrites as they were shooting because Alexander Fu had died. And That's so insane. so yeah, so Gordon Liu as the fifth brother kind of takes over as the star, and the movie becomes about him going to this temple of monks and wanting to become a monk so that he can like go into hiding and bide his time for an eventual, eventual revenge. Um, but I feel like the movie kind of, it, it's weird bringing this movie up as a revenge movie because I feel like revenge isn't the driving action of the movie. Uh, it does. Yeah. And I think if, if there's a criticism I have, it's that the pacing is kind of weird in this movie. It's, it's kind of off because there isn't, it doesn't really feel like there's any driving action. Yeah. I feel that way. I've noticed that as I've started to watch more martial arts films this year, like, yeah, there's a funky thing kind of going on with runtime and, yeah, rewriting scripts and, like, sort of knowing what to do with endings because a, a lot of these movies are just based on set pieces and stuff, and, yeah, things get rewritten. I feel yeah. that way about 36 Chambers where it seems really, really top-heavy on him getting kicked training out. And, yeah, oh, okay. like, training and all that. Yeah, and then at the very end, there's, like, this crew assembly that happens in the last, like, 20 minutes where he, like, finds other people to sort of help help him fight and... Yeah, that, that movie is sort of a little lopsided too. But this one, I it sort of didn't really bother me because I was, yeah, I like the fact that, yeah, the sixth brother, he has this thing. He has like his little mental breakdown. But then, yeah, it gets a little bit usurped by this like really dope Gordon Liu like plot where he's like trying to be a monk and he's like shaving his head off inside the, like, yeah. the temple and everything like that's just so fucking cool like I was just like man like his self with the incense and stuff. yeah yeah I should talk about that because yeah I, I just really appreciate just like the intensity of that and I think it's going towards yeah sort of like the era and just be like okay like we've done like that we've seen monk imagery on the in, in these films we like we've done that how can we like up the ante a little bit and you know we do that by having our our hero like burn like I don't know what those dots are called, but like burn the incense into yeah. his forehead. Um, but uh, yeah, so Gordon Liu, so the fifth brother, he goes to this temple, and he. I, I, this is another thing I find kind of weird about this movie is that like he says he wants to be a monk, and he shaves his head, he burns his head, as you've said, mm. but like he doesn't really. He's not. He's pretty resistant to actually just acting like a monk <laughs> like <laughs> a little bit yeah. like he's like fighting everybody and he's just very persistent and it's not like i will learn your ways i will calm down like eventually there is like this transformation that occurs and so so i brought yeah. this up before that like the hunter dies it kind of knocks some sense into him he has to you know do what the hunter said and go uh lay low and you know revenge will be further down the line um here at the temple, one of the, uh, what's the word that they use? It's not, I mean, they call him an elder, but they call him something else too. The abbot? The abbot, yeah. One of the, uh, An abbot goes and 
to give word to the Yang family that basically the fifth brother is still alive. Um, yeah. And he gets... Um, what's the other word i'm looking for he gets ambushed on the ambushed. way back <laughs> yeah. yeah and yeah that scene like kind of broke my heart because it's like it's like that innocent character like he's just going to like send this like literally don't shoot the messenger and he goes and yeah he's on the way back and yeah he like he's getting fight like like beat up by a couple guys and he like goes to like a table and he's like, like hey like i'm there's being attacked like and then there's like, all, like and then they get up and start fighting and then, like, every yeah. single table like, like joins literally in. every person there is a mongol and this dude has an arrow in his leg the entire time of, like that that's the first thing that happens he gets shot with an arrow what's the what is it the um the skyrim meme or the arrow through the knee like, he literally knee. Yeah, he literally has an arrow through his knee for this fight but he's still like there's like some like floatiness to the acrobatic like to the like to how it's choreographed where it's like he's bouncing from these tables in this like little yeah. lifted restaurant. It's such a like a weird scene and then yeah, like they he pulls out the, the blade and, and and like shoves it in his neck and I was like I was like, yeah. oh, wow, it's like just that was the most badass thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so that they can't like torture him or anything. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah, this scene like really kind of knocked me off my feet when I first saw it because yeah, it's like they just like completely just kill this monk guy and I forget. Yeah, they're sort of like, cons- like not super favored in in those pastimes in certain parts of history. Yeah, another weird thing I want to talk about is so the training with the wolves, these like yes. wooden wolves, is so the fifth brother super aggressive, you know, fueled by anger. He goes in there and he destroys one of these wooden wolves that the monks are training on. And the monks tell him, you know, no, you're not, you don't have to kill your enemy. You're not supposed to kill. Like as Buddhists, we don't kill. Um, what you do is you defang the, the wolves. You knock their teeth out, which if you think about it, the wolves will then die. <laughs> like the wolves <laughs> yeah. are going to, they won't be able to eat. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, so yeah, I, like I feel like they didn't quite think that through. Um, yeah, we render them helpless by removing their teeth. It, it is a really, really fantastic foreshadowing for the end of the movie. It is but incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but in terms of like, yeah, logic for the actual animals. Like, yeah, no, if you are breaking a wolf's teeth and or, and or jaw, it's going to be pretty, that's going to be fatal for that wolf. But we do get a great scene of the fifth brother uh, fighting one of the elders while the elder is just manipulating this wooden wolf yes, to yeah, like yeah. combat the brother. Uh, yeah, it's really cool the way he's like kicking him around. Like, yeah, I think there's a lot of the martial arts in this movie. It's about manipulating the space and manipulating objects. Yes, in, yeah, yeah. In really interesting ways. Yeah, I like that with the fight with the habit that happens later. That's one of my favorite aspects of that um little confrontation that they have but yeah here i love the design of the wolf yeah it's like this wooden thing it's like on top of this like pedestal sort of stuff and the first time yeah it's rotating platform the first time we see it he goes into this chamber there's eight of them and there's like eight stations where there's three people doing uh, like different things around them sort of like they're all practicing like different movements and different attacks and yeah these these wolves have like these they're like they can sort of be manipulated at the joints and be turned around and their teeth are like these really big shiny aluminum triangles that they're like shoving the poles in and like 
doing stuff around and then yeah when we see him use it as like a, like i'm gonna like kind of put you in your place and discipline you in the fight it's really great because he's like fighting alongside of the like with this piece of like equipment yeah. and like like his hands will like be like doing things like yeah it's like kicking the, the feet to make the feet kick and stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah. And then he just like spins it around really quickly <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah re- it's like yeah really fun really dynamic and it feels like the poles the way the poles are interacting with these wooden statue things it, it almost feels like they're solving a puzzle to like yeah. knock the teeth out like it's not as simple as just like knocking the teeth out it's like you gotta like hit the it, it's like a rubik's cube or something yeah, you gotta yeah. hit the joints in the right way or something <laughs> hit the, the perfect spot <laughs> um but yeah we do eventually get this uh after the abbot dies uh the fifth brother returns he's walking through the temple wanting to train with the other monks and the monks are in tears and they tell him hey you know this abbot he died for you he be- he believed in you um we we didn't want to train you or whatever but um we can start training in a few days um so it's like and this and the fifth brother is more compliant he is more it feels like that kind of calms him down a little bit yeah. What I would have liked to see is I would have liked to have seen a little more of that, like a little more of him actually just like being a monk because it happens pretty suddenly that it's like he goes from being this aggressive asshole that no one wants to deal with to, oh, I guess you're a monk now. <laughs> and then yeah, he uh, rises the ranks pretty quickly. Yeah, we, I feel like we don't really see him learn anything as a monk. Yeah, not too much. Yeah, that's one thing I really love about these films, and in particular, like I think it happens a lot in Gordon Liu films where he's like yeah, training. Chamber. It's all yeah, about he's that. like, yeah, it's like I want to see him. Like, yeah, there's a lot of like really, really great training sequences in that movie because of all of the different chambers. But yeah, yeah, I was just thinking about like, yeah, like in uh, Fury and Shaolin Temple. Yeah, it's like he's inside of a kitchen doing menial tasks in the kitchen and like stoking a fire, but. As he's stoking the fire, they do a close up on his bicep, and they're like, "Oh, I see. This is how he's getting, like, yeah. getting the training in." And so I was looking for a little bit more of that in this movie. I like the scene at the the pond where, like, the he's under the waterfall or whatever, and like the waterfall's on him. He's hurt. Like, I don't know, finds some sort of harmony with that, and it starts breaking up the vines. I, yeah, I wanted yeah. a little bit more of that, but I, I liked. I liked and it feels like, yeah, the breaking up the vines thing. It feels like he's learning something about how. I thought he was going to get an idea for how to make a weapon or something with that. Yeah. Because, like, the way the vines are interacting with his pulse. And it looks like he's coming to this. There's, like, a revelation happening. But nothing really. We never really see anything come of that. Also, there's something I found kind of curious. In the Wikipedia, they're like, yeah, he removes the blade of his staff in order to be accepted into the ranks of the monks because blades aren't allowed in their temple. Yeah. in the movie, it seems that he just does that just so he can use the he staff can. again. To me, it seems like it, it was like a hiding thing, too. Like, okay. he didn't want the blade to be noticed. That Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense, too. But yeah, for me, it felt like, I think he just, like, wants to use it and doesn't know how to unattach the clamp staff to it. And so he just, like, burns it off. And so huh. I thought it was more of just, like, hmm. he's doing it just because of a, of a practical reason, not because no, of No, I think, I think it was because to go into hiding. But that was that's that was my interpretation. Gotcha. Because then, yeah, it is mentioned that like that weapon is iconic for that yeah. family. And so, yeah, okay, totally. Um, do we just dive into the ending now? <laughs> like, um, is there or is there something we're missing here? Yeah, I I just want to briefly mention the confrontation. Well, they, like they sneak the sister out of the temple mm. in a really funny scene where they're like she's inside of, like this thing of 
rotten smelling cabbage or vegetables or something yeah. like that. It's like this like, comical scene of the guards like about to like, sh- like impale swords into the thing. They're like, no, wait, like yeah. they said not to mess with her. It's like, okay, they're having a little a fun with this. And then she gets out and run away. But then they ha- she has a fight with a guy, like a Mongol, and he's like just She's holding, on the, reins of, the, holding yeah. the reins of the horse and they just spin around a couple times. And I just thought that was kind of a funny, silly little. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like the fight. horse isn't having a good time either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just gonna spin in this thing around. That part's weird because I believe she's supposed to be disguised as a man, because he keeps calling her sir. Yeah, but she looks—I don't know if they did anything (laughs) to her. Yeah, that's yeah that part. Maybe they put her in pants. I don't know. Yeah, but that fight when they capture her is really brutal. When because like I was not into I mean it's a cool weapon but yeah the thought of fighting against their staffs that have the ability to kind of extend Rapid and curl around stuff. yeah that's yeah it's like those things that kind of like freaks me out because yeah when they like they string up the one brother in the opening fight of the movie and it yeah. seems it's like it's not as bad like but in cross pose yeah. yeah but here when it happens to the daughter it's like it's worse because like it's having like this female character so they're like flip her upside down and I was just like oh yeah, shit by like, her it's legs. Like, yeah, it's yeah, just like, like spread eagle. Yeah, yeah, like the connotation feels a little, a little bit different, especially knowing that like the history of how these conflicts happened and, and stuff. I was like, oh shit, yeah. this it, this visualization was a lot more extreme than what I was ready for. I'm glad that she becomes. Uh, yeah, I I think because Alexander Fu is supposed to be the one as the sixth brother is supposed to be the one who goes to the temple and him and the fifth brother team up at the end. But I think it's I think it's really cool that it's the eighth, the daughter who does it because. Yeah. One, we get a fight uh, when the monk, I think it's, is it when the monk comes to the temple? Yeah, he comes to the te- uh, to the family's home, the Yang, the Yang home. <laughs> uh, and he's like, oh, I came for vegetables and I want like the head of the Yang family to cook them or something. And she's like, mm-hmm. you know, how dare you? And they yeah. get in a fight. <laughs> and I feel like that fight at this point, the six brother is still in the movie, but I feel like that fight really functions as like a transition thing of like, look, the eighth, eighth daughter can fight or eighth yeah. sister or whatever. Um, and so when she eventually takes on more of an action heavy role, like with the, the scene with the horse that we get, um, it feels like very smooth. And mm. the scene with the horse is really cool because when she's fighting all of those guys, she's fighting with a sword. And yeah. up until this point, we're pretty much just seeing pull fighting. And so it kind of separates her from everyone else. And we get to see like a different type of fighting style. Yeah. It's surprising if I was watching this, like this movie feels very modern and very like it, it does things where like people could watch this in 2020 or 2021 and be like, yeah, there, those are like beats that would still be extremely effective of like, like the female character who's like unique and like you sort of disregard her in the first two thirds of the movie. But then she becomes like like this stepping up where the brother wasn't able to sort of thing. Yeah, I was a little nervous in that fight because, like, basically, uh, I'm going to get into a little spoilers. So he shows up, and they have captured her, and she's tied up inside of a coffin. Yeah. And there's, like, a lot of really dope, really great beats and moments that happen in that first little section when he's fighting and, like, trying to just navigate the coffin, like, the pyramid of coffins. And then, like, he, like... So, like hits the pole inside of one and she pops up and he's like oh like it's oh hey sister and then she like yeah, gets knocked up. around yeah she's tied up she gets knocked around a little bit like in some pretty some hits that seem to like that would be pretty bad but yeah she kind of gets tossed around a little bit in that yeah. portion of the scene before eventually getting like freed and then well because he just shoves the staff 
like in into her ropes and he's like swinging her around and stuff yeah. he's like punching her and kicking her just to like shove her out of the way a lot of the time yeah yeah he's like yeah you, so we're talking about using the space and he's like yeah, like, yeah it's like taking that <laughs> like even further he's using like, okay, a person like, <laughs> yeah, yeah using like, a person around using his sister as like a backpack and like fleeing her. Uh, yeah it's, it's really really interesting what's happening because yeah when she does become free and starts kicking ass it's like a really great moment of like fuck i'm happy she's not tied up yeah she gets the pole um but yeah we get this ending which is fucking insane so 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 earlier i mentioned that this movie is kind of like star wars and Mm -hmm. so like much like star wars it begins with like luke he loses his aunt and uncle this one he loses his entire family basically or all of his brothers and his dad and then he's kind of on his own he meets this hunter who uh, sacrifices himself to save him. Luke has Obi-Wan who like yeah. teaches him a lesson, <laughs> sacrifices himself to save him. Um, he goes into this, you know, wor- this world of monks, which is like actual monks versus like the Jedi. Um, and there is like a rescue thing like with in Star Wars, it's rescuing the princess and this one it's rescuing his sister. Mm-hmm. But at the end, yeah, yeah. At the end, it's in Star Wars, Han Solo shows up in the nick of time to rescue him so that he can destroy the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Here, it's in the nick of the time, uh, all the monks show up to rescue him so that they can defeat the bad guy. Um, and so, yeah. it's yeah, it's like <laughs> pretty on. similar structures. Uh, but yeah, like this fight at the end, once the monks show up and they show up with the wolf and they just kind of like invade the space and then they start pole fighting <laughs> with everybody. And the first time, oh, wait, you got something to say? I was going to say, we skipped over the, the part where, like, I even had the scene yeah, up but... earlier. Well, no, the scene where he, like, walks into the, like, the, the complex and he has, like, the, the, oh, the, the all of the bamboo. That's my, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie. And he walks up and he's like, I'm here to deliver the bamboo. <laughs> he just, like, shoves one in there and then, yeah, proceeds to start, like, impaling, impaling people, people with the bamboo. And then, yeah, <laughs> like, the, and the movie quickly, like, shows you how deadly this shit can be when it's crap it's like it starts to function as a blade and he's like using it and like slicing people open with it i was just yeah. like that was my absolute favorite scene in the movie because he like just in, like kind of innocently walks up with like this big stack of bamboo and they're like what is this for and then he just start just just goes ham and just starts breaking faces and it's just it's a really great like trojan horse type of moment yeah but um but yeah when the monks show up they start pole fighting and they start bashing the enemies in the mouth with their poles and when they pull the poles out there are teeth on the poles and they are defanging their human enemies and that shit is insane (laughs) because like everyone is just screaming with blood pouring out of their mouths and no teeth and it just keeps happening over and over there's a part where like a guy shoves his pole in like just penetrating this man's mouth, not even just like a side hit, like straight down the guy's throat sort of thing. He yeah. pulls his fucking teeth out. There's a monk who soars through the air and headbutts a man in the mouth. Yeah, the, the monk is it's yeah, a the, Dragon Ball Z movie. The monk is on the ground. Like the man is screaming because he just had his teeth <laughs> torn out. But the monk is also on the ground screaming because of, he has a man's teeth in his head. Yeah, he has teeth in his skull. 
yeah, that was a zero-sum <laughs> move that he pulled off. Um, yeah, I think it's so fantastic. And I got to say, Daniel, they don't make movies like this anymore <laughs> because the practical bright red blood just, like, yeah. it takes it to it's that pink. extra level. Yeah. yeah, like that just, like, neon red. Like, it's all of their mouths are just, like, just screaming in agony. Yeah, and I just think it's just a really fantastic, like, callback to that setup of, like, yeah, and even Sench is like, yeah, it's like, we're fending off wolves right now, <laughs> and just proceeds to continue to, like, break out all yeah. of the, these Mongols' teeth. And, yeah, it looks really painful because there's a lot of, there's a few, like, close-ups in this movie. There's one that happens, like, earlier in the film when there's, like, a lot of action happening, then it's just, like, we get sort of, like, a POV from somebody's staff, and then we cut to the reverse, and it's, like, we see who's holding it, and... There's a lot of really good, like, just close-up shots that happen at the end of this where, yeah, we're just seeing teeth inside of a pole. <laughs> it's just, like, it's, it's pretty visceral to it's see that all happen. ridiculous idea to be, like, we're going to end our movie with people just getting their teeth torn out. <laughs> just, yeah, like, a fuck like, ton of dudes getting their teeth torn out. Yeah, it's like, your sister is hidden inside this, <laughs> this coffin pyramid, and we're going to start to throw all these guys at you, and then, yeah, the teeth start getting ripped out, and then... Yeah, when she, I think, yeah, the sister sort of gets her bladed, like, staff weapon in her hands a little bit later, yeah. too. Then, yeah, then that becomes an aspect of it as well. It happens with the abbot using the wolf. I feel like, I feel like some, yeah, it happens a lot of times. And it's, yeah, just a, a, a really exciting, just like, climax to this film. Yeah. I feel like the one fight we didn't really mention is the fifth brother versus the abbot when he draws the yin-yang on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is one of the coolest things I've seen in a movie, where they're, like, fighting against each other. Because he, he takes his... Not, he gets the guy's shoes off, he rearranges the space, and he blows the lights out with his staff, and it's yeah. just, like, the ultimate flex on this dude. Yeah, it's a really, really great moment, because, yeah, it's just one of those things, this character... It, he's not so much doing it the humble way. You mentioned that, yeah, he has those two moments where those those characters sort of sacrifice themselves so he can get a, bit, a little bit more cool-headed. But yeah. I just like that in this moment of him besting this this master, yeah, he's so like, to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like he's just he's just going to do it. He's not going to, like, hold back. They, they do, like, spar and sort of, like, it seems like they're at the same level. But then, yeah, he starts just involving a lot more things and starts throwing a stop using the room and yeah, throwing the pillows at him and yeah, there's four pillars and they like sort of create like a little like a ring, so to speak, where he's yeah. like arranges them around him like in a perfect square. And I was like, yeah, this is just like just some of the best martial arts choreography. Just like it's yeah, it's like 80, 82, 83. So it's like, they're really pushing just like the flashiness. So just like, we're just going to show off and be like, we're going <laughs> to rearrange the furniture a little bit and like, and it's going to be badass too. And yeah. blow out all, blow out all the candles all at once. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's really great. And it's like a pretty pivotal moment for the character because he's just gotten word that his sister has been kidnapped. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to go kill these people. <laughs> and they're like, no, yeah. it's not the monk's way. And it's like, so he bests this guy in a fight to be like, <laughs> to sort of like release himself of, of yeah. the temple. Um, yeah. And then at the end, of course he, he, he says he has no home because he's he's broken his vow as a Buddhist Buddhist by by killing these guys. And so he just wanders, becomes a wanderer. Yeah. Walks the lonely road. Yeah, with his staff. So do you know other sequels to this? Have you I don't believe there are any. Um Yeah. I think this is the only one. Wow, yeah. It's one of those movies where like 
I don't want Hollywood to to get wind of like they'll the never ending of the of the ending of this movie because it's like, oh this is perfect for prequel sequel. <laughs> He's still alive. We never see one guy. Yeah, it's just like yeah. What does yeah. he do next? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the ending. I don't like dwell too much or even I didn't really notice too much that this like the fact that the sixth brother is like kind of just kind of disappears. Not really yeah. Mentioned. yeah, disappears and isn't mentioned and. Yeah, just the action and everything is just so good. It sort of just kind of eclipses that little bit of the production issue. I love seeing yeah, women. Fantastic. I love seeing women fight in these Shaw Brothers movies. I'm like, I want to see more of those where like women as the leads. I feel yeah, like I the really, style's yeah. a little different. Yeah, I like how it was set up here. It's like, yeah, the matriarch and then the eighth and ninth daughters or sisters, whatever. And then yeah, she's like sort of sends one out and really good. Um, wait, there was a line. <laughs> that I like that I appreciate in the beginning. Yeah, one of the sisters, one of my like <laughs> lines that I like is just we're all going to die one day. It's <laughs> just like just the way that it's read is just a little bit more I found the I found the voiceover distracting. Like I know a lot of people yeah. <laughs> a lot of people like the kung fu voiceover thing, but it's I was like I just want to listen to it in the actual language and then read Fair the subtitles. Enough, yeah. Because yeah. it's just like such an unnatural way of speaking that at times I'm like what's a better line reading like i'm just like too busy thinking about the rhythm than like paying attention to the actual dialogue true yeah and there are some parts where it's like yeah the fact that there isn't subtitles for a lot of the char- chinese characters that or mm-hmm. mandarin or whatever that we're getting up there sorry yeah a lot of the on-screen text yeah a lot of the on-screen text there's not really subtitles for it so there is a little bit i feel like i disconnect with yeah some of that here but yeah i think overall still enjoyable Still campy and fun in a good way. Yeah, I dig it. Uh, what have you been watching lately? Um, this week I watched Arrival. Okay. Um, have you seen it? <laughs> uh, the Denis Villeneuve movie. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think about it, but I rather enjoyed it. It was a kind of, like I mentioned before we started recording that my weekend was a little chaotic for a lot of reasons, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was interesting. While a lot of family stuff was going on to watch this really contemplative science fiction film that's about language and, you know, just ends on a pretty positive note. And it's just about, you know, humanity working together. And I, yeah, I think it has a, a nice message and it's shot really well and has really interesting creature design. And it's one of those movies that I kind of ignored and, and bummed that it took me so long to watch it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I wasn't terribly impressed with it, I remember. Um, I, I, but I don't, do not totally remember why, <laughs> uh, it's a movie sure. I haven't really thought about in a while, but, um, I think yeah. it was, I know there's like a reveal in that movie and I think, I think it might've been that the reveal didn't work for me totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There is <laughs> a reveal. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a play on the whole, like we come in peace thing and, you know, just interpretation of language. And I, I just thought it was a really powerful, yeah. it, it, it resonated with me. Just because, yeah, I feel like I've been watching, I don't know, a lot of action and a lot of, like, yeah, like I watched uh, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. That's another revenge film. Oh, yeah, and that's I just like, you posting about uh, that. <laughs> it's like tweeting and, and posting about that movie. And, and that's like a really fucking dumb movie. It's, it's, it's like, I enjoyed watching it, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's like Michael B. Jordan just surviving death multiple, multiple times in just the most outlandish situations and yeah just there's no logic at all and so yeah it's like it's nice to have like 
a, a really kind of a quiet science fiction film that's about you know them deciphering an alphabet and so on. Yes, it's about it. time and it's about human, yeah, our yeah. human relationships a little more. Yeah, I guess I should also mention Tom Clancy's Without Remorse because that's another revenge film that's out right now. And yeah, it's completely on the other side of like the spectrum. Yeah, we're talking about like, yeah, this is Tom Clancy. So it's like military porn and just like, you know, celebrating just like this uh, masculinity of just like, you know, aggro military guys and just like special ops and, you know, using all this like crazy uh, gun violence and technology to sort of solve these problems with these overseas plots with like you know like politics and yeah. stuff like that and like and so yeah it's things it thinks it's way more cooler and way more important than it actually is but i really enjoyed just the fact that is yeah it's just like michael b jordan kind of just being in a movie with low stakes in, in a way where it's just like it's just an action franchise it's just something that he can you know it's not you know super politically heavy or like trying to change the world like Black Panther is trying to do, you know, something like that. Or it's, yeah. just, like, it's just, it's just an action it's movie. Like or, a James Bond movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or even more like the, um, John Krasinski, like, you know, it's like, kind of like that. Where it's just like, yeah. we're just going to take a, a kind of a nice, good looking, handsome guy and just, I mean, that movie cr- crack next. <laughs> that movie has been accused of being CIA propaganda or the yeah. John Krasinski. Cause that's a sh- John Krasinski. That's a show, I think. Right. Yes. Like Amazon Prime. But yeah. But st- yeah, but still, Jack Ryan is still Ryan. Tom Clancy universe. It's okay, still yeah. all in that in that world. So it's like, of course, that... it's propaganda. <laughs> yeah, and and you're probably not going to watch without remorse, are you? No, probably, probably not. not. Yeah. So yeah, at the end of that movie, spoilers, spoilers for our listeners. Say it one more time, spoilers. The end of that movie. <laughs> said it three times. That's good enough warning. The end of that movie is hinting at the formation of Rainbow Six, and so huh. it's just one of those things where like this is just it's just a dumb action movie franchises yeah just are they gonna just, try and do a universe extended universe thing uh, i think sort of kind of which i was like i the mean I'm like, uh, yeah it's just like if you want to put you know jim from the office <laughs> and michael b jordan in a tom clancy action film i'm not gonna be yeah you know um, I, I i might watch that movie and smoke a little bit weed. yeah it, it feels <laughs> weird that it's taken this long to do, do a tom clancy shared universe thing because there's so yeah. many books yeah, and honestly, it was kind of working for me because uh, what's the actor's name? Um, uh, like Jamie Bell is in it. It's like kind of like, and I like him. And yeah, the casting was was good. And so it, it, yeah, it's just one of those dumb movies where it's not changing the world. It's nothing groundbreaking, but yeah, it it was nice to sort of watch, and, and it and it worked because it had the revenge thing going along with it too. Um, so yeah, that's it for me. What have you watched this week? Um, this week I watched. So Bo Burnham came out with a new special on netflix i did not i did not watch the new one Uh, i was talking with someone about it because i i've seen a lot of people recommending it and i've like never really looked into bo burnham's stuff i really liked eighth grade and Mm -hmm. i knew that he was like youtube famous stand-up and i was like well i liked his movie there's no reason for me to believe that I would like his stand-up <laughs> um, <laughs> because that's very different. So I just like yeah, never, yeah. Bo- I never bothered to look into his stuff. Um, so it's a particular vibe too. Like he's doing the piano thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think, I, and I feel like we're you're probably more into like the Zach Galifianakis version. Yeah, more definitely. Chaotic. <laughs> um, and so yeah, someone was like, "All right, well, if you're gonna watch Inside, because I am curious to watch it," she was like, "You gotta watch Make Happy, which is his one before that." because I think it'll help contextualize it. So I watched Make Happy, um, and I 
I feel like Bo Burnham, I don't like his comedy. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's very funny. I don't think he has very interesting perspective on things. Um, like, I don't think he's very good at writing jokes. However, the form compensates for that because he's very good at like musical theater and he's very good at Mm -hmm. he's very creative person and he's good at using that creativity to you know um do like his onstage thing with all the lightings and with all the lighting effects with um pre-recorded uh you know voice audio that he like interacts with to have these like fake conversations on stage and stuff like he's a very creative person um who i just don't think is that great of a comedian um and so i watched the first like 12 minutes or so of inside of the new one um i i intend to watch the rest of it i've just been busy um but i feel like that first you know 12 or so minutes is better than everything in make happy uh because because since he's trapped in his home and is forced to (laughs) Like, like they always say creative creativity flourishes inside of a box. He's literally inside of a box. He's in like a small box like room and he just, he has to compose this special entirely within the space. And yeah, yeah. I think the best joke, the best Bo Burnham joke that I've been exposed to is a visual gag. It's not something he wrote or says out loud. It is a Venn diagram where on the left side is Malcolm X and on the right side is Weird Al. And then he, he, in the middle, he writes me. Um, yeah, I think that is his best, from what I've seen, is his best joke. Um, yeah, right on. So, yeah, I think he's just, I think he's very creative. I think he has a good sense of humor. I think he's just not necessarily the best uh, joke writer. And um, that is my perspective on things. Yeah, I think that's yeah pretty accurate. And I watched Inside. I did, uh, yeah, I feel like I might have had a, a few too many beers as I was getting into it, because yeah, that that special is really strange for a few reasons. Because yeah, usually before Bo Burnham's was like mostly piano, and yeah, I, I think might have done some acoustic guitar stuff. I'm not really sure, but for this, I felt like yeah, it was a lot of like synth stuff, and mm. yeah, a lot of like yeah, EDM inspired and like house inspired production with the music that he was making, and so that piqued my interest really because that's something I'm. I kind of got bitten by that bug recently too, as far as like producing mu- that kind of music. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's kind of cool that he's trapped inside of his house and sort of got into this like flashier type of music. And it definitely helps with the light show and the fact that he's in his room and he gets to work with just the walls and just the reflection. So yeah. it definitely benefits from all of that. But it is one of those weird quarantine things where I feel like I was watching it and I was getting a little antsy watching it. Cause I was like, yeah, maybe cause like I, have gotten hit with lots of quarantine fatigue and so yeah. i haven't indulged in a lot of quarantine related media there's some, some movies that have been out like there's like the one with anne hathaway that came out like a few months ago and so yeah i feel like they're this special it is it is a good special i, I recommend you finish it but um yeah it feels like it's one of those pieces of art where it's like like i don't think it's less valuable because like we're moving away from the quarantine but i'm just like as i was watching it, i was like okay like I don't know if I'd be as interested in this if, as time goes on, if that makes sense. Maybe my, my like thoughts it's gonna have a short exactly. sel- It's going to have a short shelf life? Um, a little bit, because a lot of the jokes were like, uh, well, not to super spoil it, but like there are some jokes where like, you've heard these quarantine jokes before. Yeah, kind of, like we've been like, on Twitter. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's really great for the form and for the lights and for the music, but as far as, like, the actual content of it, I'm like, yeah, it's like, go on Instagram and you can sort of get these bullet points like yeah. any other form of... Yeah, That's kind of how life. I felt Make Happy was with the writing. Yeah. It's just like, I could scroll through Twitter for 10 minutes and I feel like I get the same sort of... Uh, you know, sensation. <laughs> Maybe sensation is not the right word because it's not music, but uh, yeah. the same content. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's an interesting, interesting comedian and actor. I, yeah. I find his casting in Promising Young Women to be intriguing still. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. yeah. Just like... Especially now, like now that I've seen his stuff, I'm d- way more interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. It's like, really? Bill Burnham? I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he felt to me, like he felt a little bit like a, a watered down or more like a theater a theater kid He's a more theater like kid, a theater yeah. kid yeah a more theater kid version of Dimitri Martin hmm. and I already don't like Dimitri Martin <laughs> yeah yeah but, uh, yeah Dimitri Martin kind of like showed up and came and went I think I like I think I like <laughs> Bo Burnham more than Dimitri Martin from what I've seen I think I like Bo Burnham more than Dimitri Martin because I just don't think Dimitri Martin's like Dimitri Martin is like. Because, like, Bo Burnham, when I say I don't think he's that funny, it's not that I think he's unfunny. Uh, It's not that I'm, like, repulsed by his comedy. It's just, like, I just don't find it that, like, impressive, I guess. Or I'm, like, it's not that interesting to me. Whereas Dimitri Martin, I'm just, like, oh, no. Like, (laughs) I I don't want to watch that special. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I feel it. Yeah, for me, it was, like, musical comedy and just the use of just, like, okay, it's just going to be, like, a white guy slowly picking a guitar and telling jokes. I feel like that wave sort of hit everybody in that like sort yeah. of two thousands age of just like Zach Galifianakis kind of Dimitri Martin, like it's like I don't know, these guys sort of like doing a very similar stick of like you're sort of like floating around this sort of, you know, edgy kind of comedy, but it's more just like elevated by the fact that you're musical enough musical to comedy, like yeah. yeah, yeah, to like not just be telling jokes. Yeah. It it feels but, like a crutch a little bit. I don't know. It can be used really well. Um, It's just a weird thing. And this is coming, (laughs) and I will say this, take this with a grain of salt, you and all listeners. This is coming from someone who was a massive, and I say massive, Lonely Island fan when the Lonely Island was out. So you can't, you can basically, renders my opinion on everything basically useless if I think the Lonely Island was good. So Um, I'm really, so yeah, musical comedy is a weird thing. Cause like when someone was telling me, oh, you got to check out Bo Burnham's special. And, like, as the conversation was happening, like, I learned that he was mostly musical comedy. Like, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I knew it was YouTube famous. I knew he was a stand-up guy. I didn't even know musical comedy was his thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I'm usually turned off by that. And then I had to come to the realization that it's not even that he's doing songs that are jokes. It's that he's just doing stand-up as mus- musical theater. Um, because, yeah. yeah, like, Lonely Island, the songs are jokes. Um, I'm into, I like this group, um, don't stop or we'll die where the songs are jokes. Uh, like they have a song okay. called, I got a perm for our camping trip. Um, okay, like the song gotcha. is silly. It's not just yeah. them like talking about life and, but they're singing, uh, yeah, they're yeah. Um, yeah. It's so really yeah, I feel like Bo Burnham, like... I, I feel like Bo Burnham like has his own thing he's doing. He's kind of occupying his own space. Cause I'm not really familiar with anyone else doing something like that. Like we've we've mentioned yeah. Dimitri Martin and Zach Galifianakis, but I feel like what they're doing is still very different. Where it's like 
they play music while they tell jokes. Uh, Bo Burnham yeah. uh, has turned talking into a musical, um, and it's it feels a little different. Yeah, and the only other name that I'm thinking of, and this is not even super related because he's a little bit older, but Adam Sandler because he had like he was on stage with a guitar doing like. Not not a similar like talking and telling jokes, but like joke songs and then like combining yeah that because like um let me think like Bo Burnham he also does a thing where so he has that country song that's all about pandering and about how country artists yeah. pander to their audience yeah and so it feels like the the song functions to illustrate a point he is making in his stand up the song isn't quite a joke yeah um. Yeah. Like, it's not something you're just going to listen to. <laughs> like, it's not like Weird Al where it's like you could just throw that on and listen to it as a song. And the song ha- is also funny. Like, Bo Burnham, yeah, totally it's like yeah. he's talking about something. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, interesting disconnection. Yeah, I'm, I was like going through in the, in the studio. I was going through like my old CD collection. <laughs> and had like, yeah, Lonely Island CDs, Jimmy Fallon CDs. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, Thomas. Wow. I know what's going on in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, who are you? thank God. Thank God for hip hop. Thank God. What girl were you into in 2007 <laughs> that that is to blame oh, for this? I feel like you're trying yeah, to impress totally. someone. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that was Martinez. <laughs> Martinez getting to the brain. But yeah, um, I think is that about it. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so yeah, the next movie we're going to be watching is It Man. We're going to be starting a new franchise. It Man has four films, and so I'm really excited to be going through that. Um, we also recently got some listener suggestions so we're going to find some time to integrate that into our washes as we proceed on my friend eden suggesting the film relic so that's a horror film from a few years ago i think from last year and so yeah gonna try to watch relic in the near future but our big franchise moving forward is ip man so yeah get ready for that some more martial arts if you would like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have comments, questions, or concerns, movie suggestions, let us know. We're finally getting into them, so you can be the inspiration for a full podcast episode. You can have that honor. That'd be fantastic. You can tweet at us, at Vaguezone on Twitter. We're always on Twitter, live tweeting films that we're watching or anything that's going on in television or music, all of the new stuff that's going down. So follow us on there. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. It's been episode 43. We'll catch you on the next one.